The fashion geeks are hosted and powered by Blueberry. That's Blueberry. B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. Thinking of launching a podcast? Want your episodes to be deployed smoothly? Go to Blueberry.com, type in the word fashion, and get a deal on us. Just put in the word fashion. Blueberry. Always host fly. Hello, I'm Red. And I'm Tiff. And we're, and the, we're the fashion, fashion geeks. geeks. Trying to make New York. And the world. Well, New York is the world. A little flyer, one outfit. And podcast. At a time. Yes, we're back. We just underwent a hurricane. Welcome, Isaiah, to Brooklyn. I'm Reg. Search is behind the board. We're ready to do this thing. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> okay, first of all, that laugh, you sound like Pugsley. Oh, was that the character? <laughs> From Wacky Racers. <laughs> Tiff, is that you? It is me. It is here. Is it, I mean, it is I. I am here. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Yeah. You're definitely rusty. Uh, yeah. I'm, Tiff. I'm, glitch, I'm glitchy. I'm a little glitchy. A little glitchy. Okay. Tiff. Yeah. Well, holy cow. What are you, what are you doing here? Uh, I'm coming into the modern times and uh, I'm learning how to, uh, to, to, to Skype and Zoom. Wow, very good. I mean, I've been telling all our listeners who have inquired that you've just been online shopping. So uh, how's that going? Uh, I thought that was very cute. Um, but uh, no, I am not shopping. I, uh, I yeah, just, uh, yeah, just sort of offline. I've been offline. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, what were you doing? Uh, a lot of uh, yeah, sleeping, eating, drinking, you know, all those fun things. <laughs> Avoiding. <laughs> uh, what is it? Wake me up when this is over? That's kind of sort of what I was doing. Oh, well, it's still going on. I know it. I can't sleep anymore. I'm done. I'm woke. Really? <laughs> I think that's a different woke, uh, Tiff. Just, just want to help you out there so you don't get busted. Yo, you can bust. That's all right. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just pointing out. So I uh, want to help you along the way. So so what have I missed? Well, I mean, Tiff, it's kind of like your, your Mrs. Van Wimple. Uh, well, wrinkle. Uh, well, we, uh, we've had a pandemic. Two, in fact. In uh-huh. my mind. Yep. We've done some episodes. I don't know in your in your cocoon, because that sounds kind of like what you were doing. I mean, Tiff, we haven't we haven't spoken in months. No, we haven't. Well, that's not true. We've texted, we've called. Have we called? I don't know if we've called. Uh, we've called. called. Me, you called me once on my birthday. Okay. Which even the listeners didn't know was my birthday. But yes, oh, you yeah. called me on my birthday. And uh, texting. We've occasional, texted. Yes, occasional text. And you've been sending me lots and lots of reading material. Yes. I mean, that that was going on pre-pandemic. But uh, difference is you kind of, you kind of, you went off the grid, Tiff. I did. I did. It, uh, it's a lot. There's a lot, a lot happening. And, uh, 
uh, let's just say that um, I got to a point where I couldn't process anything anymore. It was so much. Um, I can't think of it any other way than that. Yeah, I was like, what the hell is going on? It felt like one thing after another. One, uh, you know, with everything going on in the world. With the two pandemics, it was just overwhelming. I don't I don't know how else to say it. It was with, uh, you know, having to be stuck at home and my, my previous social life being completely shut down, um, being outside completely shut down and uh, no work to be had all at once. And then with... Uh, the the black murders that have happened uh, on camera that has gotten this whole nation and the world outraged um, happened. And it's kind of like, uh, what's next? Uh, the locust? I really, I, I went down a little rabbit hole thinking it was the end of the world. I have to be honest with you. Mm. I was kind of a little uh, afraid for myself. My husband was definitely afraid for me. But it was kind of like, oh, my God. And then, you know, then you hear stories, you read stories about murder hornets are on the way. Um, and then you're like, those are the locusts. It doesn't have to be locusts. It could be murder hornets. They're on the way. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot, Rich. It's been a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know, I was challenged. I was challenged to find a way to participate Um different than I've ever participated. I I don't know. I feel like I'm going into a real kind of gray communicative area here because I've also not communicated a lot with anyone. So it's kind of like, how do I know, how do I do this again? How do I, how do I talk to people? (laughs) You follow? Well, you put one word in front of the other that, uh, that's the start. And that's funny because that's kind of sort of how I got started again is not one word, but one foot in front of the other. Um, I was trying to keep my sanity. I think, you know, I was doing this when we were doing the last podcast that we did was, um, you know, keeping my my physical health and mental health in check by walking three miles a day. And of course, I couldn't do that because, you know, once the city shut down, um, it, it became sort of iffy with the lack of information, you know, about how this COVID-19 was being spread and things like that. In the beginning, it was kind of sort of, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. Oh, but you can do this and you can't. It was confusing. So just to be safe, you know, I stayed in. But, um, yeah, not, I would listen to stuff, music, uh, podcasts, our podcasts, things like that. And that just all stopped when I stopped walking. So that's kind of sort of what happened. I started walking, was it last week? Was it last week when I contacted you? Uh, Yes. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow, great two episodes. You listened to your two interviews. And I just, it was amazing. It was great. And it kept me walking. So, yes, I've been listening to our podcast when I walk now. (laughs) Thank you. We had three interviews, but. I did not you. listen to the last one. What is it? Episode 40? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, because I haven't walked since then. So it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm kind of, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm getting back on a little bit at a time. So, 
So here we are. All right. But I did so. take a walk this morning around the corner after the uh, hurricane that went through. We got a, uh, as you know, I live on the park and yes. uh, tons of tree limbs everywhere. Kind of scary. Why did you even go outside? I mean, it's a hurricane. Well, I wanted to check my car, so. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you're safe because I'm sure you heard what happened in your borough. So. No, what are you talking about? Uh, a man was in his car. Oh, the tree that fell on the car. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He's he did pass. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So, I think for me, when we had our big hurricane a few years ago, even then, because as a New Yorker, every year we have threat of a hurricane, we always shrugged it off until our big one a few years ago. Yeah. And Sandy. even then. Yes, Sandy. And to me, it's always been through the vision of Hollywood. So this is a hurricane? No. My 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 vision of a hurricane is Key Largo, Humphrey Bogart. Oh, really? For I never real. saw that. I never For saw real. that. real. Which they're stuck in the hotel, in the palm trees, and it's a black and white flick. So I've always expected that as my reality. And it's not like that at all. But the point is, the one thing I've learned is you got to stay inside because these trees and just items. There was a I I was looking on Instagram. A kiddie pool was 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 like essentially up in the clouds in downtown Brooklyn. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we were under a tornado watch. You know that, right. right? No, no. I mean, this is really my whole point is it's really something to take seriously. Yes, it is. And I did. I was taking it. Trust me, it was after everything was over. The winds had died down to a certain extent um, that I went outside. I don't know if we were in the eye because the winds kicked up again after that in a big way. And it sounded like a freight train was roaring by my house at one point. But wow. uh, there was no train. That was the wind. I have I was like, oh, my gosh, it, you're right. You don't living in New York. You're like hurricanes. Hurricanes are for Florida or Louisiana. Right. But no. Yeah. And they said um, I was listening to our local radio station, Tintin Winds. I love it. They yes. said that the wind speeds were up in the area um, where we had not seen them since Sandy. So I was kind of like, wow. But I'd already heard that the lack of water, you know, we're going to get some storm storm surge. But, uh, yeah, my backyard was flooding a little bit, but it wasn't it wasn't coming up to the door, which has happened before. So. So we're all safe now. It's gone by. But there's a lot of limbs, a lot of cleanup to happen. And, uh, yes, we did lose a life. Yep. Um, but nothing compared to the the southern East Coast. They've uh, they've got hit bad. Right. But it's always interesting. New York hurricane in New York. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Now we know. I mean, it's like the locust. What else is gonna happen, right? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Let's let's steer you back to circling so, back. Get me out so. of get me out of the end of world. Um, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. No. Not as we know it. So, but to your point, there's been a lot going on. So let's 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 get into it, Tiff. All right, do it. So bring me in. Bring me in. Well, let's bring each other in. So, 
you've acknowledged the two pandemics. I'm, I'm flattered that you were listening. So mm-hmm. you, I know you have a, a lot of things you want to talk about. So let's, let's do it together. All you, right. I know you wanted to talk about fashion and racism. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, part of my challenge in the beginning, uh, you know, with the pandemic, first of all, the pandemic shut everything down. And I'm like, uh, what's the point of a fashion podcast in, in, in this time? It's a pandemic. Oh. I mean, what? What? In fashion, oh. we've got more important things that are, you know, who's going to want to listen to a fashion podcast? That's the first thing I said in my. And then oh. and what does fashion and pandemic have to do with one another? And then the whole oh. everything that's happening with the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the many, many souls before them and after them. It's kind of like fashion and and what's happening in the world with police brutality and 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 all of that. What what? What, what what room is there for fashion? You know, I just couldn't, I couldn't see, see what you and I do here on a regular basis being something that could be relative to what was happening in the world. I I'm couldn't, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I couldn't bridge it in my mind. I, and it's be, you know, I've taken a lot of time to think uh, a lot. I've been thinking a lot, which is kind of bad for me to think too much because <laughs> my brain takes me into some uh, strange places. But what I found was uh, something that came up was um, a feeling of helplessness and rage all intertwined together. I don't I, I, I don't know how better to to speak that, you know, it was just. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I was just, I was astounded that um, what was happening in the world was actually happening because similar to your your comment about hurricanes, you know, my experience with being, um, I, I don't think I even felt this way after 9-11, to be honest with you. I think uh, where I went these past couple of months was in a place I'd never been before. And I I just I didn't know how to function. And all of these things were happening around me. And I was like, but I had so much to say. And I had so many feelings about and thoughts about things that were happening. But I just couldn't speak. Does that make any sense? Sure. Sure. It, It was kind of one of those... I guess you it's a place in fear. You go to this place in fear where you are just um, rendered speechless in a way. Sure. And I couldn't say, I can't believe this anymore. I couldn't say it. I can't believe what's going on. I can't believe this. I can't believe this is happening. How can this be happening? So... Uh, yeah. And so it's kind of like, how can I learn to communicate again? How can I learn to speak um, without rage, without anger and sadness? Because, you know, what you and I do on this podcast and listening to it helped me bring me back was we entertain. We entertain, but we also teach. Um, we also enlighten. Um uh, the world of men's fashion. And right now, the world of men's fashion, the world of fashion has been absolutely turned upside down by the two pandemics. 
Right. So right. It's, a, it's a societal effect. I mean, yeah. we, we educate. We also invigorate. So while you were trying to figure that out, I felt from the get-go, you know, between COVID and then and then racism, you know, through very specific uh, specific events, pardon me, that this, if anything, Tiff, the welcome back is this is a platform for us to talk about those things. And hopefully yeah. you heard on the interviews how we did that. I did. I did. That's why I was like, yo, Reg, hey, hi, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> you stopped shopping. I, I stopped quote unquote shopping. Oh, it's kind of funny. I did a couple of times put things in my basket online if I was oh, looking at things. Yes. But but I, I didn't. I yeah, I just left it in my cart. And, uh, you know, and some some places keep them your items in your cart. Like right. Amazon, that stuff can stay in your car forever. Yes. But uh, then other other online shopping places dump my car. Now I go, see, it wasn't <laughs> meant to be. <laughs> dumped your goods on the virtual floor. That's right. So it's kind of like, yeah, I did a little uh, quote unquote window shopping online. But uh, yeah, I, it didn't require me to speak. How about that? There you go. Mad good deals out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, you know, one of the other things I was dealing with, and and, and so were, uh, I think, six million Americans. I think it's that the number now of Americans on unemployment was, uh, yeah, paying bills with money that uh, I I had no job. I have no job. So it was kind of like the bills are still coming, and uh, but the income was not. So that was the... Uh, that was another downside I was dealing with because as you uh, may have experienced, I'm not sure, it took me an entire month to go through this process um, of getting on unemployment. And I wasn't even 100% sure I was going to get there because I'm part of the gig economy, um, which is, you know, I didn't have a full-time job. I would do, I would do, be a hired hand for events here and there. So, sure. uh, you know, whether... And traditionally, you could not get unemployment for that. So I was panicking and freaking out. But uh, thank you. Thank you, New York State government for um, and also we'll have to thank the federal government because I also qualified for the pandemic unemployment assistance as well. So that changed my world. That changed my life. You know, once I could get, you know, it's it's interesting when you can't pay your bills for the first time, I guess, since. 25 years ago when I was a starving artist. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. So anyhow, I couldn't buy anything cause I, yeah, I got to pay my bills first. Understood. Yeah. It was a figurative shop. Yeah. And I mean, seriously, one of the things we're going to talk about is what's the point of shopping right now? What's the point of fashion? What's the point of when we're not going anywhere? We're not, I mean, some folks have returned to work, I guess, but for the most part, um, you're not going anywhere, are you? Well, I was going to say, I think I can explain that. So let's, but let's. Let's let's jump in. Yeah, let's get into uh, the first topic that you were interested in. So you want to talk about fashion and racism and you want to talk about issues of uh, inclusivity. And you were talking about data. And you talk about education and opportunity and leadership. 
So I know you highlighted three articles, and I figured, particularly on the whole welcome back tip, let's just break these articles down, see where they take us. What you got? Okay. Well, I've, one of the things um, I was challenged with is, uh, which you and I've discussed on the podcast in the past, is how does, how does the fashion industry deal with this pandemic of racism? And the thing is, uh, it's it's been an epidemic uh, the whole time the United States has existed. If you think about it, it's been an epidemic. The the racism has always been here. It's always been an issue. We've talked about it in the past um, with uh, different clothing pieces that uh, go, what the hell were they thinking? You know, or, you know, why is this (laughs) happening? Those kind of things. Um, But now and 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 uh, fashion brands, um, industry itself, they were putting out um, all kinds of uh, statements of inclusivity and this is, has to change and we're going to have a diversity board and, and this and that and the other thing. Um, and that's what a lot of the high-end people, retail, not retailers, but uh, luxury brands that got called out uh, or, you know, even big box brands, they were, you know, working on this issue of racism that's um, ingrained in the world, uh, but more, most particularly in the fashion industry. And with the current climate, there has been, um, what can I say, unprecedented uh, exposure to what, what's really going on. It's, it, it, it's coming out of the shadows. And uh, and in a good way and a bad way, if you ask me. I mean, I guess to deal with it, it has to come out. But God damn, I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus. It's ugly. <sighs> See, the Brad just was worried about. <laughs> My language. So You're I take fine. that back. Keep on keeping on. All right. Uh, Search, you can you can ding me out of that. Right. You can bleep me. <laughs> Give me a little bleep. Um, so yeah, I was like, it now more than ever, uh, the fashion industry is really going to have to step up to the plate. No more just making a statement. No more. They're going to have to, um, I'm trying to think of the brand that we talked about that, that they decided that they were going to, was it Gucci? They were, they're going to have a, a diversity board. Yes. Um, and you know, everything, I guess, they draw up, literally, will be looked at and considered. Uh, is this racist? Is this what does this say to you? Um, but that's not enough. It's no. just not enough because when I said education, um, opportunity, and leadership, what I was talking about was uh, what I gathered from these three articles I, I read was that. You know, it's got to start from the bottom up. The racism, there has to be more education about racism and the fact that it does exist and it is existing and it, it has existed and it's not gone. It is not gone. And there also has to be education um, provided for people of color in, in areas where traditionally it has not been. Um, 
and opportunities as well. There has to be opportunities for upward mobility in the fashion industry for people of color. This has not existed before. Um, uh, and I, well, I sh- it has, we do have people of color uh, uh, at the top of the industry, but it, you can count on the number of fingers and toes how many there are um, in ratio to, to white people. There has to be more color in the fashion industry. I mean, it's the fashion industry. You want color, right? Um, which brings to mind, I, I extrapolated a statement, I mean, um, a quote that I really liked from one of the articles. And it says, undoubtedly, it is not inclusivity, but exclusivity that drives fashion from the VIP culture of the front row to the nepotism and lack of transparency surrounding recruitment for the most elusive roles and opportunities in the industry. Right. That's the uh, that's the Coker piece, I believe. Yes. Yeah, uh, I want to I want to chime in there because I feel also to be candid, it's it's also it's also top down because if we talk about the Coker piece and I don't know if you read the uh, the white paper uh, the panic panic study I did not so and and just for our listeners the Coker study and the read white paper this is across the pond this is coming from the UK obviously there's a nice mirror to what's going on here it's not necessarily one to one as a ratio in terms of things we're talking about but the relevancy is glaringly apparent. The the issues in the UK through fashion that mirror what's going on in America, particularly if you read that white paper, is the whole issue of pull yourself by your bootstraps, uh-huh. which to me is the greatest fallacy that's given to people who look like me. Right. You know, work just, hard. If, just work, work hard, hard and earn it. Then you'll be everything, there. Everything's going to work out. Right, exactly. But that's really not that's really not the case. And Coker's Coker's point, and again that that read the read study. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the panic study. Pardon me. What what they both bring forth, I think, for discussion's sake, but really for policy, is people need to understand the ones that are empowered to make decisions are actually the individuals who are saying just work hard. Right. The whole point of meritocracy. And that's really, that's really erroneous. Coker brings up in her piece, which I really like, and it doesn't matter if it's in the UK because we're going to talk about stuff here in the US and people have the same arguments. This can't just be an issue of emotion. This has to, this has to lead by data. And that's what's really important. We need we need numbers. We need quantification. So, you know, when you when you talk about that quote, I think it illuminates something that certainly that certainly happens in America, too. Hey, if you want to get down, you're going to have to take unpaid internships. Right. Plural. (laughs) Correct. Heck, I remember when I was an undergrad at NYU at Stern. I had an opportunity. I rarely discuss this with anyone. I had an opportunity to work for MTV, which at the time was 
the only thing I wanted to do. Right? <laughs> nice. Because outside of fashion, I love music. Yeah. So I had the interview. Whew, I still remember where it was. It was across the street from the new Nordstrom at, uh, what was that, yep. 59th. So uh, it was one of the Broadway buildings. So, and they were like, yeah, oh, we like it. Uh, we'll bring you on. Yeah, you know, it's an unpaid internship. Yep. There and you I go. I just remember nodding. I was like, oh, I'll get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> and as I took the train to my grandparents, I said to myself, there is no way that my grandparents are going to understand this. Right. That, hey, I want to work for MTV. It's a great opportunity, and I'm not going to get paid. They would have looked at me like I had six eyes instead of four. I mean, it's similar in acting as well. I can tell you I've probably done more unpaid shows than I did paid ones. It's, it's inherent in that industry as well. What is that? What is that about? We want you to work your butt off and we're not going to pay you. Well, I mean, what it is, it's an entree for individuals who can afford to do that. Right. The people who can afford to do that are not working class people. Correct. They're just, they're just not. So <clears throat> that's, that's an issue that Coker brings up in her piece. Also yep. just the whole, which is emblematic regards of industry, the whole pay to play. If you want to get down with the British fashion council, a membership costs a certain amount of pounds and it's really expensive. It's like 500 mm-hmm. pounds. And yep. Again, it's, it's barriers. It's barriers to entry. There's a tiered pricing structure for events. So these things are issues. And the problem is the individuals who are the gatekeepers have a tendency not to look like me. They look like you. They don't see the problem. Right, because they can't see the problem. It's a blind they choose, spot. Well, they choose not to. It's a blind spot. They choose not to. Yep. When because they got theirs. Right. And listen, to me, that's a New York thing, too. I got mine, get yours. But right. the thing is, it's not an inability. It's an unwillingness. Yes. There lies, there lies the difference. The distinctions. That's a, that's a distinction. That is absolutely true. Agreed. So, Right. So her whole outcry is disproportionately we're not in the game. We're not in the game at a senior level, at a director level. So, you know, we have to, we have to do things and have a call to action to adopt specific frameworks that give communities of color an opportunity and back it up by data. Yes. Data. Really? Yeah, that's what's really key and critical to these movements. Right, because the numbers... emotional from the gut. No, numbers don't lie. Numbers do not lie. Exactly. I know someone who needs to uh, hear that over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely recommend our listeners, though, check out the uh, Panic White Paper... Do you have a, an address? I don't have that one. I, I don't have it. In, I don't have it in front of me. But okay. again, you know, just Google it. They're listening. Okay. So, 
Now let's talk about CFDA. Let's let's go across the pond back home. Right. So let's talk about that. So, so for CFDA all the listeners, yep. is the Council of Fashion Designers of America. So why don't you give me your thoughts and feelings about what they've been trying to do since um, the pandemic? Well, since you're a member, I think you have a, a better a view of it. But I'll tell you what I'll tell you my layman's term um, of what I gathered. And I can't get into the article because uh, it's a New York Times article and, and I haven't subscribed. So, oh, I mean, I, I mean, but my takeaway yeah, is sure. <clears throat> they, uh, they they met as a council um, and said, we need to do something. There has to be something there, ha- there has to be something done, pra- practical, um, within the fashion industry to address this issue. It just is not getting addressed. It's not we're not going far enough, and this and that and the other thing. And they put together a statement, um, which I can't even paraphrase because I, I haven't even read it recently. I read it a couple of days ago, and I can't. I don't even want to try to par- paraphrase no, it. I, no, I yeah, I, I, I mean I can <clears throat> chime in. Essentially, the statement was, and first of all, let's be clear. The chairman of the CFDA is Tom Ford. Tom Ford, yes. Yes. So uh, go ahead. Statement essentially was having a clear voice and speaking out against racial injustice, bigotry, and hatred is the first step, but it's not enough. And then, and then they had four bullet points, initiatives, if I recall, and it was like an employment program. Oh, you're talking about the Kelly Initiative. No, no, no. I'm talking about I'm talking about CFDA. I will oh, get okay. into we'll get into Kelly. Uh, okay. We should I think we literally should do it in this order. So, right. so yeah, that from from my recollection, that was that was the beginning of the CFDA statement. Yes, they uh, you know they proposed you know we need to you know speak about this and talk about that and include this and include that and. <clears throat> it uh, it sort of went over like a lead balloon, right? Wouldn't you say? I think I think it received <laughs> a mixed response. Yeah. Well, so because some people were down. Yeah. Some people are like people that sounds great. Some people weren't down. Right. So let's so let's break that down. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I mean, Virgil was down. Virgil, Virgil was down. He was down. So was, uh sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh Prabal Gurong. He was sounds down. Sounds good to me. Yep. I tell you who wasn't down. Go ahead. The boy from Pierre Moss. Yes. Kirby Jean Ramon. Do you have his <laughs> quote? Do you have his quote? Uh nah, but he was like, yo, this is whack. <laughs> so that's that's what I remember. I mean, he was like, it was watered down. Yes. Yeah, like watered down bubble gum. That's, that was the exact, well, almost the exact quote, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, I'm not down with this watered down bubble gum, uh, bubble gum ass statement. Not even, not even helping us. Right. I have it in front of me. The CFDA posted on Instagram. They wanted to, <clears throat> I'll elucidate quickly. Uh, sure. one, one part, they would create an in-house employment program specifically charged with placing black talent in all sectors right. of the fashion business to right. help achieve a racially balanced industry. Right. 
Um, and that program would be tasked with identifying black creatives and pairing these individuals with companies looking to hire. Right uh, they will also create a mentorship program and an internship program focused on placing black students and recent graduates within established commu- uh, companies in the fashion sector. Internships. Inter- <laughs> and I, you know, I popped in my head. I'm like, okay, is, okay. Is that going to be paid? The CFDA will implement and make available to our members a diversity and inclusion training program. So you have to be a member first. Those are all good things. Right. But you have to be a member first. What do no, you just understand. talk about membership? Cost money. That specific thing. Yes. Yeah. We will make immediate contributions and take up fundraising activities in support of charitable organizations aimed at equalizing the playing field for the black community, such as, but not limited to, the NAACP and Campaign Zero, among others. Uh, I'm not familiar with Campaign Zero. I got to check that out. Lastly, we urge each and every member of the CFDA to take stock of their corporate structure to ensure that they have a racially balanced workforce. And we challenge the retail sector of the fashion industry to ensure that their roster of brands and their product assortment is representative of the black talent within the industry. Ah, that's a wonderful segue because let's talk about that. So Mm -hmm. Aurora James who uh, she's the creator of uh, Brother Velez. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has this thing called the 15% pledge. So for the listeners and maybe even you, Tiff, I'm not sure if you're aware of that. So it's I'm a not. Lovely, it's a lovely dovetail. So she <coughs> wants, she wants to implement the 15% pledge, which means that every retailer out there, should devote 15% of their shelf space to products that come from black creatives. Wow, black I love that. Companies. Yeah. Black, you know, black designers, blah, 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 blah. See, again, numbers, quants. Let's see it, not, not just it's hear not it. The strict, right. It's not the strict emotion. Nope. And, oh, we're going to do the right thing. And mm. holding these people accountable. And again, the people who are accountable don't look like me. Right. So I think that's a I think that's a great opportunity. But let's let's continue talking about CFDA. There's beef. So not everyone's down with what Tom Ford put out. Right. Although this is, let's point this out, this is a statement from the board. So right. the board from the board essentially means a statement from the membership. Right. Well, that's what it's I mean, supposed it, to mean. It, right. That's what it's supposed to mean. I mean, I literally that's the point I'm trying to make. OK, I'm sorry that, that this board statement doesn't necessarily ring true for everyone on the board or everyone on, in the membership, within the, mem- within the membership. Yeah. So on, on the board and the membership. But the problem is that. I, from my point of view, I think the problem was it's it's um, lip service, right? That doesn't seem to be lip service. It, and listen, I'm not. It's not about me defending the CFDA. So I'm not dissing what Kirby said. My point is this, which I think we're going to delve into. No one is a monolith. We are not a monolith. So I think what we're going to. And by that, what do you mean? Well, meaning we're not just one one body, one voice, one action. 
as as African-Americans, as people of color. So I have no beef with what the CFDA is proposing. It all sounds good to me. It absolutely does. Right. It does sound good. Right. And, And as long as it's implemented and paid attention to from a quant standpoint, then we're fine. But for these other groups that we need to talk about, you mentioned uh, the Kelly Initiative. We'll dive into that. Blacks and Fashion Council. There's beef. So meaning people in the crew of the CFDA are forming splinter groups with their own separate agendas. And part of their agendas is calling out the CFDA. Right. Okay. That's fine. I don't really have a problem with that. That Well, whether, that's how whether, change happens. Well, my, my point is for the reason that I just mentioned, we are not a monolith. So if they're saying, according to, according to Mr. Jean Ramon, he, he said, okay, they did some stuff, but they didn't do everything. So he wanted more. Right. He wanted, he wanted the board to speak about police brutality, for example. So there's a lot of things that that can or could be done. But I think the good news is, which we should delve into a little bit deeper, there are these splinter groups now. So like I said, I mean, the pledge itself, the 50% pledge, I don't deem that to be a splinter group. I deem that to be an initiative. And I'm down with that. I like that. Blacks in Fashion Council... That's that's a different steez. I like I like that too. So, but let's talk about let's talk about the Kelly Initiative. So, what do you know about the Kelly Initiative? Um, it was written. I'm trying to call it up right now. All right. I mean, if you want, I'll I'll, I'll continue. I just want I just wanted to give you, give, you know, I yeah, just wanted to give I, you the floor as well. But I totally had it. All right. So um, the Kelly the Kelly Initiative. First of all, I love the name because the Kelly Initiative is in tribute to the late Patrick Kelly. So we've the, never talked about Patrick Kelly in previous. I think maybe we talked about him in one episode. But I really don't think passing. so. No, we haven't at all. It's funny. I don't think so. I can't. I can't because of it's because of chronology and nothing else. I've never put him as a fashion hero because he was he was kind of before my time. So, but I'm well aware of who Patrick Kelly is. So the Kelly Initiative, I just I love that because it's about it's about the spirit, it's about history, it's about influence. Patrick Kelly, and I always remember, I remember like his buttons. His buttons were cool. They were like black polywogs, and that was a spin on the antebellum images of the black Sambo. Hmm. I freaking, I freaking love that. I remember him with the bicycle cap. I, I just, I totally remember him, but I was a kid. So that's why we really haven't talked about him. He is the first brother that got inducted into the uh, Chambre Syndicat du Prêt-de-Porter. I am so, so impressed that you said it like that, Reg. Good job. <laughs> 
Okay. I was uh, looking because I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, oh. So, and I took three years of French, so. <laughs> <laughs> I just live in New York. So my mom was really into him. Uh, also the late Willie Smith, you know, Willie Ware. So these were people, I was a kid, and I was learning about this stuff through my mom. Uh, also uh, Stephen Burroughs, who's still around, uh, denim designer. So so this Kelly, this Kelly initiative, they got beef. <laughs> they have beef with the CFDA. Yes. I just wanted to read um, at his funeral, Gloria Steinem, uh, she is said to have remembered him as, quote, an outsider who brought the outside with him and then eliminated the outside-inside division for everyone. So I can't speak about him so intelligently, but clearly he was a game changer. Yeah. I, guess he, I, remember, I remember him as a kid. So, But like I said, I was a kid. Right. 1988, so, he was inducted into this uh, genre. Yeah. yeah. Kyle. That's so, a long time ago. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> so they had beef with the CFDA. And they're like, yo, you're not doing enough. And it's a it's a strong organization. So I like that. Because again, it it the truth is one the paths are many. So I understand if the CFDA is on the defensive. I understand that. But really, if you just think about the things they have done, I think they've done a lot. And now this is a great shining moment for them to try to do even better. I agree. And I and I I'm going to go back to your talking about there's different factions splitting off within the CFDA. Um, I'd like to think of it uh, in a way as working groups and, you know, the sum of, of the, the whole, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That's, that's the, see, I can't even communicate. <laughs> I try to talk. Um, I think that's the saying, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Um, but the sum of the parts is important as well. Because each part is literally that, a part. And it's important for the whole. And it brings diversity uh, in communication, diversity in practice, uh, diversity in anything and everything. Um, I'm trying to... Do you understand what I'm trying to say, Reg? You get what I'm saying? I believe so. So the thing about the Kelly Initiative... Which I like is that they're challenging CFDA. Yeah, they're saying again, we can go further. Talk, let's do. They're more. talking about numbers. They want them to do an industry-wide census, so they can get demographic information. Which and, and, is mm-hmm, data. Yeah. Yep, and data right. is good. Right, right, and have companies that that whole employment thing. They want numbers for that. And then they don't want the CFDA to audit themselves. No, <laughs> I mean, come on. Department. No, 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 no. Right, exactly. It's the <laughs> be like the Port Authority. It's the fox. <laughs> yes, the fox guarding the hen house. Yes. So, so, but I like, I like what they have to say. 
So and that crew is created. Two of the two of the creators of that crew, they have a podcast. And I want to check them out because they look really heavy. <laughs> What's the name of the podcast? Oh, I can't remember. It's uh, the creators, I think. Okay, I'm trying to find. Yeah, so it's by two of the three founders, uh, Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galena. So I like I like what they're saying. So we need metrics. We need metrics. I love metrics. <laughs> well, that's good. Because they need to be the friend of the cause. Black-owned businesses constitute essentially less than 2% of total retail sales here in America. 2%. Yeah, like 1.3%, essentially, off the top of my head, versus over 85% for white-owned businesses. Wow. But yet we comprise 15% of the population. So... There's a disparity. Yeah. So the holders of the power in the institution, they have to they have to make a change if they really want to fortify what they put on an ad. Right. They got to put <laughs> they got to put uh, action behind their words. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it calls to mind another article I said to you. Um, that's titled, and I, I just love this, Woke Washing Your Company Won't Cut It. Um, that, I think, will be for our next episode. I okay. Think, because I want to, I just want to see, I want to give that proper, you know, space for you to to discourse however you want. Okay. So. But no, I love that. I've never heard that saying and I read it. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's it. Because I've called it lip service. Uh, you know, you, call, you call what you want. I mean, right. The, the, the but interviews that's what it that is. I've done, the interviews I've done while you've been gone, we've talked about it because it's head, it's head scratching stuff mm. to have a black square on Instagram. I understand the symbolism. Yep. I'm, I not, saying it. any, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But is this is this ephemeral? And are you making a are you making a profit off the symbolism? Right. That's right. the that's exactly. that's that's really that's that's the issue. So let's talk about the Black and Fashion Council, and they're they're new, essentially, right? So they're like, hey, we we got something to say to, we got beef. <laughs> okay. So, but what I like. What they want to do, they want to operate as an umbrella organization for any initiative that's coming down the pipe. And again, numbers. They want provide to provide oversight. Index. I'm they sorry. Want to provide oversight. Yeah. Making yeah, sure like there is accountability. Right. They want to actually have a scorecard for brands. I love Putting it. them on notice. Hey, how are you doing? I got, a, I got a quote here. For its first endeavor, the organization is asking fashion companies to pledge to work with the group for at least the next three years to help build a quality index score reflecting black employee representation and other factors. Exactly. They want to do nice. an annual report. They want to do a report card. 
Hey, it's just like here in the city for the restaurants that are fighting to remain open. Mm. You get an A, you get a B, you get a C. Anything lower, they close you down. Yeah, I won't eat in a B. I only eat in A's. <laughs> I know people like that. Well, right now, I, you, well, you're, right I used now, to be you're part of the restaurant industry. So. <laughs> you're, eating at, you're eating at home right now. Yeah, so I am. That's so hopefully, true. <laughs> hopefully all your food is an A. And if it's a B, then you should step oh. outside. Oh, dude, you know it's an A over here. Oh, <laughs> I've heard rumors. <laughs> all good, all good. Ladies and gentlemen, the point that we're making here is that, yes, fashion has a strong role in what's going on nowadays. It just does. I, it does. And it, it's like everything these days are about fashion, you know, if you think about it. We, what do we do every day? What's the one? Well, there's a lot of things we do every day, but one of the main things we do every day is we get dressed sure. and how we get dressed, what we choose to wear, uh, how we choose to be seen. Uh, it's all part of the communication. It's all part of uh, the world as a whole. Um, going back to my parts to whole conversation, because I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced I'm going to make sense of this in a minute. <laughs> Okay, we're home stretching, so make it happen for yourself. <laughs> I got to. I got to make it happen because otherwise, I, you know, I think everybody knows they could tell now that uh, I got a little dust in the attic right now. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like you step out your door saying something without opening your mouth due sure. to what you are wearing. And that's how fashion can make a difference in the one pandemic of racism that we're dealing with today. And that's what brought me back. Cause I was like, yeah, we can do this. We just have to figure out how. And when I say we, I mean, I, I'm putting my pinky toe in cause I, I, I take part in a fashion podcast and I shop usually on a normal basis when things are not in a pandemic. Uh, uh, scene right now. But uh, it's also the fashion industry can take the lead and actually create change, not only in its own industry, but it can set an example for other industries to follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a great, this is a great opportunity. And I'm not trying to sound cliche. It just really is. It's an epic of time. That's not going to be forgotten. Oh no! And and this this crew this crew of folks they're all about numbers. This is not about gut. This is not about emotion. I know I keep on bringing that up because it's really important. Well, it's and important equally, that you keep bringing it up because that's how our detractors say poo poo. Oh, it's just you're being emotional. Blah 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 blah. You know, it's it's not a real thing. You know, it's it just doesn't exist. No, the numbers will show the disparity for sure. And it's important, yes, that you keep saying it. Education, access, opportunity, accountability. Ooh, accountability. There you go. Love it. 
All right, Tiff. I feel well, like man, we just was, scraped. Woo. We scraped the iceberg. I feel like. I feel like, it, dude. There's like so much more to talk about. But I know. Well, we don't, don't, don't want to. We don't want to. You know, go on forever. I got no, it. Why don't we? Why don't we see uh, if you can string it along, and maybe we'll bring you on for another episode. I, I, I would like that. I would like that if you if you would like that. And I'll practice. Uh, I'll practice between then and now. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get back, back, back on my podcast bike. <laughs> yeah, right. Got to get in fighting shape. If you like it, Tiff, I love it. Oh, you did say that once, and I like that. <laughs> I mean it. All right then, let's do it. All right, I'm Reg, and I'm Tiff. We'll see you next time, and remember, always, always be fly. fly. <laughs>